0: Welcome, everyone, to the Cloak & Dagger podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me, who dat, It's Pete. Hello, Pete.
1: Are you ready to talk yet? I guess that's a no. You do realize how close you are to expulsion, don't you? The Cloak & Dagger podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 109, Backbreaker. Is brought to you by Backbreaker Baton's, because nothing interrupts an Irish wake like a blow to the back of the head that then precipitates a brutal beating of a woman by a crooked cop who inexplicably made bail in full view of law enforcement officials and bystanders who do absolutely nothing.
0: Pete, this an episode that has a lot to say. Not just about the cloak and the dagger and the magic, comic book powers, etc. This episode that we're about to dig into, by the way, our ninth consecutive day of podcasting, uh, I propose a day or two of rest. As we joked on one other podcast, I don't remember which one it was because it has been quite a marathon. Probably tomorrow is when they're going to announce... Uh, I don't know, a date for Daredevil, or they're going to announce Star Trek Discovery uh, is going to come back immediately or something like that. But in the interim, Pete, we've been talking San Diego Comic-Con, we've been talking Iron Fist, we've been talking Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we've been talking Star Trek Discovery. It has been quite the nine-day journey.
1: Don't leave out Luke Cage, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., bringing it all to you wouldn't have it any other way.
0: Well, Pete, from wrapping up the Luke Cage podcast, we'll move from Harlem's hero to you recapping this episode of Cloak and Dagger.
1: Evita's auntie walks the streets of New Orleans, spitting rum and making chalk marks on the pavement. Her attention is ultimately caught by Roxxon Valve 6. Father Delgado teaches a class about the hero's arc, about obstacles, regression, and reincarnation in her abandoned church tandy burns a family photo before returning to drugs at fuchs murder scene o'reilly finds blood spatter and a possible murder weapon before being kicked out the johnson family is told of the development in billy's case and connor's confession Which has triggered a look into Tyrone's version of events. Connors has been suspended pending further investigation. Tyrone wants more for being right. He argues with his parents on the street. Evita greets her aunt at home after Auntie was out all night before returning with a mostly empty bottle of rum. Another crisis is coming and it is close. Roxanne is bringing it, digging up all that makes New Orleans special. Only the divine pairing can stop it. At this point, the one has met the other. She implores Evita to ask her boy. Evita checks out her aunt's 3D-printed voodoo doll of Tyrone. As Tandy admires a Stan Lee Warhol Esque Campbell's soup can piece of artwork. She has regressed to drugging rich kids and jacking them of their rich kid stuff. She uses her powers to see this rich kid wants a Minoge 03 and announces she can now steal hopes as well as feel them. Mina Hess calls, but Tandy ignores it. Father Delgado continues teaching about trauma. Evita finds Tyrone in the hallway and tries to talk to him, but he doesn't respond. His mom, absent mindedly, goes through the motions of her job before blowing up about a Roxxon press release announcing the commencement of a new drilling project. Tyrone savagely beats teammate Benny after bumping into him in the hall. At Mina's, Tandy admits to a rough night, dad Ivan is using a walker to get around but won't be able to move back home until he can walk on his own. Father Delgado asks Tyrone why he's at St. Sebastian's. Tandy boils over with jealousy. After Mina offers her a job at Roxxon, Tandy uses her powers on Mina and makes her kill B. Arthur. As Father Delgado drones on about the trick of regression, O'Reilly hits the bottle at an Irish wake for fukes. Tandy uses some cash to bail Liam out and notices a water bottle delivery woman leaving the police station. Even in the face of possible expulsion, Tyrone is not ready to talk to Father Delgado. Tandy shows Liam her abandoned church and reveals she wants to get married there. Tyrone admits his life hasn't gotten any better despite getting what he wanted. He enters Father Delgado's fear of drunk driving deaths. Tandy sees Liam's hope of marriage to her and tries to experience his feelings before Tyrone opens a door and interrupts her. Father Delgado kicks Tyrone out. O'Reilly hears cops talking about Fuch's good deeds before Connors comes in and raises a glass to his memory which gets him a backbreaker to the back of the head before he beats the crap out of her in front of a bunch of cops who do nothing. Evita confronts Tyrone but Tandy shows up at school. When she touches Evita, Tandy sees her hope of becoming a doctor But Evita is able to rebuff her. Tandy demands Tyrone get out of her dreams. Tyrone suggests Tandy talk to her mom. She pulls a light dagger on him before he walks away. As Father Delgado discusses the mirrors of myth, Evita makes a voodoo doll of Tandy. Tandy returns to her abandoned church to find her cash statue looted by Liam. Mina Hess gets a call from Scarborough to fix a valve, but Dan and a coworker are already there and are showered by energy and turned into terrors. O'Reilly overhears on her radio that the NOPD has the address of Fuchs' killer. Tyrone has a t- tense conversation with his mom, who reveals she was always concerned. The crooked cops would come to clean up their mess and kill Tyrone. Their heart-to-heart talk is interrupted by the NOPD, who wants Tyrone for Fuchs' murder. Tyrone escapes without his cloak. Tandy goes home to talk to her mom, but water bottle lady is there with a gun to mommy's head.
0: Pete, let's talk the dark figures from this episode, and certainly we have to start with Connors, who uh, I didn't anticipate him getting out of jail so
1: soon. I mean I, a suspension? Uh, uh, you're implicated in the murder of a teenager, and you'd be suspended? Granted, uh, Deschamps said to the Johnsons that they've reopened the investigation, but Suspended?
0: I think that as I was watching the episode, I I was saying, all right, well, you're kind of pushing, you know, you, you, you're, you're, you're asking me to suspend disbelief a little bit. Then when he, you know, certainly when he walks into the bar, uh, when none of the police that are there break up the fight, I kind of said, all right, well, now we're really kind of pushing things. But looking at this episode through the lens of its final scenes, no, no, Pete, I don't think the episode is asking us to take any leap of of uh, dramatic uh, faith here i think the episode is trying to say to us yeah this is what happens to cops like connor's at least in the mcu nopd i suspect they're trying to make a larger comment as well but this is what happens to dirty cops um nothing this is what happens to new york cops who stick their nose where they shouldn't down in new orleans Uh, the New Orleans blue line keeps Connors safe, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that though I had my pinky up for much of the episode saying, Oh, I don't know if this is dramatically sound. This is exactly the story that this episode wanted to tell.
1: You need do nothing more than open a newspaper or watch televised news. To see, I mean, we had the other day uh, a case where uh, a black father stood up for his daughter and was gunned down. And it's completely legal under the Stand Your Ground uh, law. Um, but I don't know, man. It just feels like such a leap that this cop would not be arrested without bail in the implication the accusation with a videotaped confession of a murder
0: and all i can do is just say i agree with your sentiment but i think that if you know if we had the writers or director of this episode or the producers or whatever with us they would say yeah that's the point the point is he does bounce pretty quickly because the system is skewed his way and the beating that he delivers uh, to Riley, that skewed his way as well, because that's the story we wanted to tell. And, you know, if if it makes you and I don't mean you in particular, Pete, but if it makes it a little easier for the for the viewer to say, oh, well, th- these, this must be the crazy rules in the comic book land. Okay, so be it, but I think you're missing you're missing what the episode is trying to say about uh, police abuse of power in general.
1: Oh, I mean, it's very clearly the underlying message of the piece, but from a verisimilitude standpoint, it's it's a bitter pill to swallow. Connors appears in one scene in this episode. Um, the water bottle lady in two, the terrors in one, um, but this corruption, this misuse of power runs deep.
0: And I think to me, it's all sewn up together with, um, Adina Johnson's heartfelt speech towards the end and so well performed by Gloria Rubin. I, this is when the show takes the gloves off and sets aside, you know, teen angst and crazy powers and will they or won't they? And, you know, mom lays it out to son that that this is how the world is perceiving him. This is how the world is perceiving them. And, and she and her husband have held back pursuing justice with a capital J in order to get to yeah. kind of a more... Um, I don't know, a more, a more attainable justice, which is let's just be left alone before someone else gets shot again.
1: In the last three years, I've heard a lot of very painful, painful stories of African-American parents explaining to their children, this is how you will act if you are pulled over or if you're in a public place or whatever it is in terms of law enforcement for fear of something like this happens and please don't misunderstand what i'm saying this is not an indictment of law enforcement my brother is a is a detective is a decorated detective okay um but the reality is that these things happen and they happen with alarming regularity and frequency and this show is speaking to this these writers these creators are making a statement about this.
0: I would call this the best episode of the series so far, in part because it is it is having discussion, it is making a statement, and it's bringing it into what has been an otherwise perfectly fine and fun show certainly there's a there's a you know a darkness and an edge to this series that you know that isn't for isn't for example runaways which is just you know maybe aimed for a slightly younger audience uh it doesn't kind of have the broad appeal uh certainly age-wise that say an agents of shield does where we're gonna have something for the 50 plus crowd and something for the under 18 crowd but i mean this is an episode where it's the series has shown up to look at modern issues and put it through the lens of their fiction. And this is what, this is what these episodes should be doing, you know, more so. And I don't mean to criticize the other episodes, but this show, particularly this show, my goodness, two young people, different race, you know, different uh, economic perspectives, etc. This show should be looking at, at some of those larger issues and not just stopping at, hey, cool, I used to not be able to to throw light daggers, and now I can. So it's great to see the show maturing.
1: Well, from police abuse to corporate malfeasance here, the payoff being a couple of uh, rocks on red shirts turned into terrors who chase Mina Hess away for who knows what.
0: Again, as we say most weeks, oh my goodness, Roxxon's still up to no good. Uh, I think also also believable, uh, this notion of a a company not following through on what it should be doing.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Matt, are you trying to say on the day after the Facebook lost 20% of its value uh, over fears that its inventor and CEO – has too much control um, and that his product, his life's work has gotten out of hands. Are you saying that that this is saying something?
0: <laughs> I mean I'll uh, to a slightly smaller degree I'll do you so I won't maybe it's not better, but I'll do you a bit more uh, more recently. I was reading just before that today uh, New York State announced it was kicking out one of the cable and internet providers kicking them yes. out of the state because they had yes. not a, uh, a, they had not followed through on promises they made when they merged or bought this that the other so it's Spectrum. like my yeah. wife
1: and i were talking about it during dinner
0: i've never heard frankly of any company being kicked out of a state let alone let alone, alone a cable provider. company yeah.
1: they're they're parasites man i love you comcast no i don't <laughs> careful
0: pete <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, our connection is going to go lousy. Just, just like a couple podcasts ago, when we were, when we were mentioning a large Eurasian company. Don't do it. Don't I do won't it. Say it. <laughs> but um, in in an episode that clearly is focusing on some of these contemporary police issues, in an episode that also is showing Tandy taking a dark path. I was going to say self-destructive, but it you know to me it's not entirely clear how destructive the effect is on the people from which she is taking hope but she's now hurting other people to some degree with that um so with these kind of more immediate plot plot moments and plot connections to the larger world it was nice just in terms of creating a balance and creating one-tenth of this first season that we have the terrors in there we have the continuing rocks on story and something tells me we're going to get more of that next week
1: and then this water bottle lady, we've already seen her murder Greg the lawyer, and now come to finish the other part of the pairing there, Tandy's mom.
0: Something tells me, Pete, it'll loop back to Roxanne yet again, but certainly it's a nice it's a nice story return of Water Bottle Lady. I mean, obviously not a pleasant, um not not pleasant for mom nor Tandy. Um i also think i i give the episode credit for ending um for ending with that i was so i felt so uh so surprised perhaps in my own kind of naive tape i felt so surprised that the police have id'd the killer of fuchs as tyrone um that i felt like that could have been the end of the episode but to then put tandy in peril as well uh, I don't want to relegate it as something that felt like a tag scene, but just the real punch in the gut of, oh, my goodness, everything mom said is true. Everything Adina said is true. It is going to bend back on Tyrone, who is of the cloak and dagger pair, you know, is, is the most uh, blameless in terms of, you know, not the petty crimes and whatnot that Tandy does. But to put her in trouble as well, just, I think, elevated an already great episode. Well, Pete, from those lows, from those dark figures, let's talk some light theories. Where would you like to begin?
1: These rocks on valves, we see one uh, in the beginning of the episode with Auntie, uh, you know, in the in the quarter there someplace. And then we see the other one out uh, redressed to look like, uh, you know, the bayou that turns uh, Dan and his cohort into terrors what's up with these valves
0: well pete you know i like to run spoiler free i feel like in our covering of uh, the cloak and dagger panel at san diego comic-con just getting a sense of city in peril for next season i, I dare say that's a uh, that's an opportunity for you know how are we going to get the city in peril <laughs> gee whiz pete a large corporation not doing right by the city I'm expecting big, big fireworks out of Roxon toward the city, uh, placing all sorts of people in peril. I'm expecting that certainly for next week, uh, if if only as a, uh, as a jumping-off point for the episode.
1: Tandy suddenly has the ability to experience these feelings, to uh, take away hopes. Little convenient uh maybe i will
0: just say pete that i how do i put this pete i know that i know that uh the free forum they're trying to trying to be modern they're trying to include all sorts of perspectives and whatnot tandy let's just say when she when she pulled out that that guy she was scamming when she pulled out his hopes uh I, she was she was okay with, with with what had come her way if you if, if you gather Bottom line, though, Pete, I would be surprised if there's not some sort of uh, cumulative toll that this taking of hopes will create for her.
1: That's an interesting aspect. I'd be uh, interested to see where that goes. Birth of a villain, Matt. And then we cut to O'Reilly um, and the backbreaker. A lot of speculation. She will ultimately become mayhem. Two on the nose? Well...
0: <laughs> pete long time listeners will know that you know though we might have an agenda to follow or whatnot we certainly don't we don't pre-plan talking points to any great degree on my screen right now the next thing i wanted to talk about happens to be on this very topic which was the the 12 second briefest of uh, uh of tastes for season two shown at san diego comic-con uh no kind of you know no footage on screen just kind of you know animation that kind of thing the tagline used in it pete season two will be mayhem and then there's all sorts of rips across the word mayhem so yeah it very much seems that that's where we're headed both in the you know in this advanced advertising and also in o'reilly's current situation at the end of episode 109 what with one more episode to go where we might you know uh, further chart her progress
1: i don't mean to harp on it But as a theory, Connor's out on bail, able to attend this Irish wake for Fuchs? Yes, because the
0: episode is committing. To the idea that the system is so skewed his way that he's going to get out that no other cops none of the cops that have been born and bred in new orleans are going to be shocked to see him there none will refuse his toast over the death of fuchs none will step in to stop his savage beating of uh, of a woman if if you want to do a gender thing of another cop um none of them are going to step stop him because they see their new orleans He's New Orleans. She's not. She's upsetting the way of things. I I think is the implication in in the view of the uh, the the standard officers there. And again, it might it might strain how we understand the world works. I think this episode is saying the world works differently than than you might expect.
1: I mean, I'll certainly accept that. But again, I just so baffling to to see it as a device i mean give me something he talks about the youtube inadmissible evidence give me you know because ben donovan make it down for a minute to new orleans and and speak that on his behalf in front of a judge something um water bottle lady though matt seen first at the police station do they also have a contract for water (laughs)
0: uh i mean that would certainly be a convenient way to do things i thought you were going to say she may be somehow tied into the police I, i certainly wouldn't rule that out you know as i've said a number of times before on other podcasts uh i think it's a credit to it's a credit to the film offices of in this case uh new orleans or louisiana whichever one is throwing marvel some tax money uh, New York for the defender stuff um, and Hawaii for when we had in humans. All of those that I've just mentioned are taking tax money from some some municipality or from some state in order to film there. Uh, but they're not being told, hey, whoa, this thing where you show a bad cop or fine well we'll allow, allow one bad cop, but we need you know we need some some patrolman to pull him off of O'Reilly right away because we don't want people getting the wrong idea. I'm glad to see that in this episode, I don't know the New Orleans Film Office isn't in there dictating how the story can go. Um, I don't know. To me, I take a little a, a little creative consolation in that. Well, Pete, let's take to social media to uh, to get some feedback on this episode. And in the wee hours of this morning, we were recording, of course, on uh, Friday, July 27th. Wee hours of the morning got a tweet from our pal aka frank castle that's at dj underscore black three five seven that's a uh, black with a k no c uh and he had just uh, just watched the episode here's what he had to say about it pete so i just watched episode nine of cloak and dagger and this may have been one of if not the realest deepest episodes of marvel tv so deep in context he says i'm at a loss for words right now so deep on both sides so certainly the the that the terrible power and message of this, uh, of this episode really connecting there with, uh, with our pal, the DJ
1: between cloak and dagger and Luke cage. Marvel TV right now is, is speaking so phenomenally to these very real issues. And, uh, DJ black is just picking up on that. Well, on,
0: on slightly, uh, slightly happier news here, Pete, uh, during the live tweet last night, Emma Lahana, who of course plays Bridget O'Reilly, Detective Bridget O'Reilly, um, she had uh, she had tweeted something and I replied, I feel so bad for O'Reilly. She's got no more fukes to give. We'll let people <laughs> great, figure out the wordplay there.
1: It's a great tweet.
0: <laughs> well, thank you. That got the retweet from Emma Lahana, Pete, and then the like from Andrea Roth, who of course is Tandy's mom in the show. Yes,
1: I've gotten a couple uh, likes from... Uh... From Tandy's mom.
0: So, certainly, you know, pleased to get a little traction there on Twitter. Uh, You know, Cloak & Dagger obviously doing just fine in the ratings, particularly when it comes to cable, particularly when it comes to, you know, it's on Hulu and it's on the Freeform app and this and that, the other. Um, I wouldn't say it's an overwhelmingly huge audience, but it's nice to see the whole community coming together there for the live tweet, at least the East Coast live tweet. And, um and I mean, my goodness, Pete, to have two ladies grace our our Twitter inbox to some degree certainly was a uh, was a treat.
1: Absolutely, I mean the the show has carved out its space. They get the renewal, they come back earlier uh, than they even started. The the show is hot right now.
0: Well, Pete, one episode to go. My expectations are pretty high, just in terms of plot. You know kind of plot and and rocks on and the city and all of that then you layer on the the personal angle uh tyrone on the run tandy trying to prevent her mother's death uh, we're in for one heck of a of an episode i, I I'm, I'm i'm a bit surprised it's only going to be one hour but i expect it'll be a jam-packed hour nonetheless
1: yeah having finished up luke cage now matt our site's firmly set on the cloak and dagger finale of course working on our super secret project and then we've got breaking star trek discovery news we've got all sorts of other stuff planned for you
0: yeah it's gonna be a busy august even though uh even though you know aside from the cloak and dagger finale there's not a lot of not a lot of new stuff coming out we're gonna have new stuff coming your way nonetheless dear listeners but first pete how can people share their cloak and dagger thoughts with you
1: you can get in touch with me on twitter at peter p-i-e-t-e-r j 9930 followers can't be wrong
0: And while I'm personally on Twitter is looking back lost, do be in touch with the podcast, comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Gmail, Twitter, and Instagram, where we are fantastic geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more.
1: Facebook.com slash fantastic geek with the PH, all one word, like it today.
0: As mentioned, Pete, we will be back next Friday to talk the season one finale of Cloak and Dagger. Uh, We'll do a season-wide wrap a week after that. And, of course, any breaking news on the interim. If it's about Cloak & Dagger, it'll be on the Cloak & Dagger feed as well. If not, then the Pop Culture podcast feed. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word.
1: Let me give you a tip from the real world prep school. Nothing changes.